Blessed are the makers and the maintainers of peace, for they will be called the sons and daughters of God. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's have a moment of silence, and then after that you can join in our call to worship. God, our creator and our provider, on this winter morning, we gather here in faith, in the warmth of your goodness, we meet to hear your voice, to feel your presence, and to know your truth. God, our sustainer and our redeemer, on this winter morning, we gather here in hope, in the assurance of your grace. We meet to confess our need, to name our frailty, and to know your forgiveness. God, our Lord and our King, we gather here on this winter morning, here in obedience, in the demand of your justice. We meet to declare our faithfulness, to reaffirm our commitment, and to heed your call. God, our friend and our companion, on this winter morning we gather here in love, in the certainty of your embrace. We meet to celebrate our community, to share our lives, and to be one in Christ. Winter time is a difficult time. The days are short, cold and wet, and the nights feel long, cold and dark. The trees are bare, and some mornings bring frost, and we cannot do all the things we'd like to do. Winter time not on, only happens in nature, it also happens in us. And therefore, today, for the last time, we focus on winter time, and so our prayer will once more, once more be. From the rising of the midwinter moon, may darkness and light dance together. 
in this season. Dear Lord, make us short on grumpy thoughts, long on sharing words of gentleness. Make us short on being rushed, long on attentiveness. Make us short on seeing what's right before us, long on peering into the horizon. Make us short on out-of-control to-do lists, long on savoring kindness. Make us short on overlooking the dark sky, long on gazing at the twinkling stars. Make us short on tradition as a habit, long on reowning and recreating. Make us short on ignoring the hungry, long on sharing a delicious meal. Make us short on rushing, long on wondering and pondering. Make us short on walking past those sleeping in the cold and long on sharing blankets and hot tea. Dear Lord, make us short on longing for what's next and long on savoring the here and now. Amen. Okay, guys, here I am.
This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, and it follows later in the day after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Then Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side of the lake. After sending the people away, he went up a hill by himself to pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone, and by this time the boat was far out in the lake, tossed about by the waves, because the wind was blowing against it. Between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water. When they saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and screamed with fear. Jesus spoke to them at once. Courage, he said. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then Peter spoke up. Lord, if it's really you, order me to come out on the water to you. Come, Jesus answered. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water to Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he was afraid, and he started to sink down in the water. Save me, Lord, he cried. At once Jesus reached out and grabbed a hold of him and said, How little faith you have. Why did you doubt? They both got into the boat, and the wind died down. Then the disciples in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. O oh Lord, this morning you are here, you... You are ready to talk to each and every one of us saying we do not have to be afraid because you are with us. You can calm the storms in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, even if just for now, so that we can hear what you want to say, what you want to teach us. Dear Lord, you are our Lord in winter times, in good times and bad. You are our Lord in the mornings and the evenings. You are our beginning and our end. And what we do here when we come together, it's all about you. We want it to be all about you and our relationship with you and with one another. You being the center of it all. And when we read this morning from your word, may it touch us and teach us and guide us. May it be more than words on paper. May it become alive when we hear it. When it sinks down into our soul, into those deep, dark corners, we don't really want to change and, and be touched. Thank you that you can do that. Thank you that we can come together, that we have this opportunity to be here with you and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Dear Lord, open our ears and our minds and our hearts. We ask all of this in your name alone. Amen. Today we are coming to the end of our winter series. In this series we have talked about what it means to walk through winter aspects of our lives. We've talked about the winter aspects in our relationships, 
when we feel a little bit wintry about ourselves, within ourselves. We've talked about our relationship with God and when spiritually we reach a winter. We talked about how we all act in these circumstances, how we act in these seasons. Mostly we want winter and hardships, difficult times to stay as far as possible away. But in this series, we talked about how inevitable they are. We talked about how when they show up in our lives, what can we do with them? Last week, we talked about what happens when winter happens in our spiritual lives. We say to one another, um, when we feel winter with God, this is not God trying to teach us a lesson. It's not God trying to teach us and show us what we should do and who we should be, but rather because we live in a broken world, not yet perfect, bad things will happen. And in that, God can teach us things when we invite God in, when we open ourselves to the guidance of the Spirit, when we allow ourselves to be with God, not run away when times get tough. So today we will finish our series by asking, what now? So what? What's next? I have these tools, I have the knowledge, but what now? What about when I'm through my winter? Or when I don't yet have a winter? What's next? And as always, the lectionary came to the rescue with today's scripture. And so we will read Romans, 12, Romans 10 today, and we will look bit by bit what happens there. I must warn you, it's not an easy passage to read. When Paul writes this passage, he is taking from his own background. He's taking from the Jewish culture, his knowledge of culture. He's taking from the fact of what it means to be a first generation follower of Jesus. What it means to people when they say, I believe this man is the Messiah. And how that changes everything. And so Paul is taking all of this and he's trying to package it into something new. Something that can shape, should shape and mold our ideas and our ways of being Christian. And the thing that he takes on, it's old news probably to us. But when he takes this and he teaches this to his first listeners... It's something brand new to them. The fact that he says you are no longer under the law, but the law has been fulfilled by Jesus. And how that, how that brings righteousness to everyone. That's where he starts. So let's read Romans 10 from verse 5. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring, the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Let's just stop there for a bit. What we see here is that Paul is, taking, is talking to people who knew the law, who knows the Torah, he quotes from Deuteronomy and Leviticus to make a point. He starts by talking to them about righteousness. He takes the words of Moses and talks to the people about the fact that righteousness comes from doing the right thing. They're used to that. I do the right thing and I receive righteousness. That's what we do too. We believe if we do the right things, we will see the preferred results. That doesn't always happen in life. We 
do the right things and then we get what? Rewarded with a winter? Yes, it happens. We might say all the right things and still feel our prayers aren't being heard. We might tick all the boxes and still feel that things aren't working out, not just in life, but also with God. This is also what Paul's listeners thought, that doing the law, all those thousands of little things to do, that will make them righteous. And so Paul says, nothing you can do can put you right with God. But of course, people thought differently. We still think differently. And so Paul talks about the denial of righteousness by works and puts it righteousness by faith. It is through faith that we see and hear and feel what it means to be put right with God. What Paul is doing here is he's talking against righteousness by work because what we do can never put us right with God. That's what Christ is doing. So when we try to do things to get righteousness, we are taking Jesus. We're doing what he's doing for us already. And so he says, Christ is taking all of these laws, putting it together so that everyone can have righteousness. That's what Jesus came to do. It's possible to have that. You have to believe this because otherwise you will try and try and try your whole entire life and none of your efforts will ever be enough. You will always feel that you are falling short. So this is all technical, thinking about righteousness and what it means and what it means when you put it next to the law and what it puts next to your life. But what I think is happening here is Paul is talking about life and saying, if you want to enjoy life, if you want to have a good run here and now, he puts these two worlds next to one another. The one world where you think that you can get the life you really want by just doing the law. And on the other side, he's saying, but there is life if you have faith. If that is the driving force in your life, everything will feel different. And then he talks about how you can express this. Faith was always something expressed by doing the law. And he says now that if you believe something's different, you cannot just claim that you love Jesus. Jesus now has to be your identity. It has to be your commitment to your whole life. You have to live it with everything you have. It's not just about ticking the boxes. And this is something new to them. He tells them, now you have to create your new own commitment and identity in Christ. And it doesn't have to be difficult, he says. It doesn't have to mean that someone from afar has to come and tell you, this is how you should be. This is what you should do. You, you don't have to call on someone from far away to come and show you. The word is near you, he says. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you may do it. Jesus brought the gospel so that we may know what it means to love the law. Yes, to know it, but to live it so that it can become a part of our identity, our commitment, our life. He says it should be in two places, your heart and your mouth. It's not about doing this impossible law and trying and trying and trying. It's about having the word in your heart and having it in your mouth by being renewed time and time again. That's what it's all about. He's telling them, this is the revival. This is something new. You can have a new life here and now. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to take them out of their exile, take them out of their winter. Now that you hear these words, now that you have it in your hearts, in your mouths, it's written in your hearts, they know what the law says. They know what the Torah says. 
But it can't be just that. It can't be just the status you have, saying, yes, I believe. It's, it's just a status. It's more. It becomes your whole life. When faith makes you righteous. Yes, we are saved, and that's the gift. But when we are made righteous through Christ, that becomes our whole life. That's the first bit, the technical part, thinking about righteousness and the law and how the law cannot give us the life, how faith in Christ is what we have already and we can live through that. And then in, in verse 11, he goes on and says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is something that had to make this amazing impact on everyone. These words, all people are the same. Those all important rules that make some better than others. Those rules you say you deserve a better seat than you, you have a better status than I do, all that is taken away now by saying in the eyes of the Lord everyone is equal, so equal that everyone can call on the Lord, so equal that everyone who calls on the Lord will be heard and listened to. In those days, these were words so many people were longing to hear. We are all the same. Our background doesn't matter anymore because we are made equal. So many people dreaded those words too because the law gave some people status. The law and the way that they lived the law gave them the moral high ground. And now it's taken away. Because Jesus makes all things new, he puts everyone on the same playing field, and that changed everything. And then Romans goes on. Paul says in verse 14, Then, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And it is, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Again, Paul draws on his knowledge of scripture and he quotes Isaiah. Isaiah 52 that says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, God reigns. And this is where it all comes together. All those technical stuff, the new way of thinking, the liberating news, we are made right, each and every one of us, equally those bits of news now come together. And so we can ask again, so what now? What will we do with this? What we've just read, but also what we've said and heard in our winter series, what do we do with this? Where will it take you? Where will your feet now take you? Listening to the words of Paul telling us again a new who we are, what our identity is, the good news that's so liberating, telling us the word, the gospel, is not far away. It's not impossible to reach. It's in our hearts. It's on our lips. That's what Jesus is trying to do, to bring it closer, nearer, dearer, so that the words are not just words written in some holy place that just some people can access. The words, it's, you have to do a trick in order to make it come alive. No. This way of life, living the way of Jesus, 
not just some elite, not just the lucky few. We can all have this. We can all do this. And to take Paul's words, it's not impossible to do, but rather because we have faith in Jesus. Even just the size of a mustard seed is enough. So what do we do with this? Last week we heard the words from the communion which said, when we take the communion, communion it's always something personal, but never something private. It is always something personal, but never something private. It is like Paul said, something in your heart, but also on your lips. It's an identity and your status, yes, but it is also in your feet. How beautiful are the sounds of the feet of those who bring the good news. The good news, the good news of peace. At this moment, our feet literally can't take us very far. We can't even cross the Tasman. But this news today, it has to do something with you. It has to take you somewhere. Today is Peace Sunday. In the wider church, a time to explore our responsibility to be peacemakers. We especially remember people being killed or hurt when the first atomic bombs were dropped on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki 75 years ago. And our Pacific neighbors whose lives have been affected by nuclear testing. In our hearts, we hold a deep sadness for people facing violence and war. We long for peace that passes understanding and turns a sad world into a world that sees justice and righteousness and peace. There are so many people around us who hasn't heard peace not at all in the last couple of years or days or months. Is peace even possible between all generations and nations, religions and worlds? Is that where our feet can take us when we walk out of this winter, when we enter the lives of other people, those who might experience winter? We can bring peace. We are called to be peacemakers. Maybe that's what we are called for right now, to take peace somewhere. How beautiful would that sound? So where would we start with that? C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it's not there, there is no such thing. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. To take peace to someone, peace has to start here. To have peace with God, with ourselves, our friends and our families, it has to start here. This is the source of peace. Jay Packer said, the peace of God is first and foremost peace with God. The peace of God is first and foremost peace with God. If we do that, if we allow ourselves that, to have peace with God in ourselves, not only will our winters be different, the sound we will make will sound so differently. The way we talk with others to others, especially in a world where peace is so needed, will feel, seem, sound different. People need to see and feel peace. We can give it. We can share it. I want to show you a, a video that someone sent me in the week and it made such a big impact. It shows how people need peace. How the world is hungry for peace. People from all sorts of backgrounds and ways. Let's watch this together.
to look into someone's eyes, to look into someone's eyes, give them a moment just to be. Being at peace with God, making peace with those we know need it, being at peace with those around us. May that be where our feet take us. Amen. Let's have a moment of silence to have this all sink in. It's now time for us to share in our offerings. Dear Lord, thank you that we have more than enough. May these offerings and the food we share, may it bring, bring peace and love and strength to those who share in them. Amen. Let's close our eyes, eyes for the prayer for others. God of peace, you have called us 
to work for peace and justice. Wherever we are, may we find opportunities to stand with people and identify the needs and hopes. Where there is need, there is a task for us. Wherever there is unfulfilled hope, we can be the inspiration of a new future. God, you call on each and every one of us to be the vehicles of hospitality, to be peacemakers. Dear Lord, we want to pray for those who are peacemakers, doctors, nurses, counsellors, people who work with others who need hope and peace every day. May you help them and strengthen them. May you give them understanding. May you give them hope. May you give them courage. Give them the discernment to know how to lead the way. We thank you for love and justice and peace that's already visible in this world. And may we be those who multiply it. May we take your command to love others as, we, as you have loved us. May we take that seriously and live it out in this week to come. Thank you that we can ask this in your name. Amen. As we go now out into the world, may the blessing of the God of peace and justice be with you. May the blessing of the Son who weeps the tears of the world's suffering be with you. And may the blessing of the Spirit who inspires us to reconciliation and hope and peace be our guiding light from now into eternity. Amen. Oh.
Thank you so much for coming. Please stay for the coffee and we'll see you next week.